I loved having such a natural conversation with Kat because I discovered that her and I are really, really similar, really spiritual. And the practices that we do that allow us to build these seven and eight figure companies are truly, truly the things that actually give us the quote unquote success that so many people strive for. And I've left all of the links to all of Kat's information, her courses in the show notes. She is amazing. And I'm so grateful to have an incredible under 30 year old female entrepreneur just like myself here on this podcast today because I've been really looking for more awesome guests to bring you as I get more back into doing the Impact School podcast so I'm grateful to have you here if you haven't already subscribed please make sure to do so and I'd also love to invite you to get free weekly live coaching on all things scaling your business from the consultants and the coaches that serve my private clients at Impact School 100% free you can get it if you just go over impactschoolpodcast.com forward slash free you can get in there for free and with that said my name is Lauren Tickner founder and CEO of Impact School and let's get into today's episode okay so today we have the queen of not only XL but also short form content so Kat I've been looking forward to this podcast for the longest time and it's been so interesting how you've been able to and you're a testament that Anyone can do this, combining for me something so boring with something so entertaining that goes so viral. So tell me this in just a couple of short sentences. What is your secret sauce to making such viral content consistently? Thank you so much. I mean, I would say the secret sauce really is linking in creativity, but also an element of polarity, right? So when I first created the content, it was combining things that are not traditionally combined, like Excel and dancing, for instance. So I think the polarity of that caused a lot of conversation in terms of virality on social media, but then also having kind of a cool creative spin definitely helped with the algorithm. Okay, so a lot of people will hear that and they're going to think, I just don't want to dance on social media. So do you feel like it's possible to do this without without that element to it? And if so, how would you have you ever done that in the past? Because I can link these pieces of content in the show notes for people to check out. But what would you say others could do who are maybe in more of a space where they don't want to be dancing? Or should they just let down their ego and just do it? So absolutely do not need to dance. I would actually recommend not dancing if you are not called to dance. So to take a couple steps back in terms of why I combined Excel and dancing is because I really took an inventory of my life and I was like, what lights me up on the planet? And really for me, it came down to helping people, Microsoft Excel, and dancing. So for me, combining things that were, you know, authentically aligned with me and then putting those together in a video is what I think really made it take off. I feel like though, if people are not into dancing and it was showing up inauthentically for them, then it would actually hurt them from a content perspective. So I feel like just the underlying thing is it's different for every person, right? So like what lights up in each individual person and then kind of finding your unique spin from there. But that being said too, I do have content all across the board. So I have some content where I'm just speaking. I have some where I'm dancing. I have some where I'm doing both, you know, <laughs> depends on the day of what really comes out. But um, yeah, I, I think it really just comes down to what feels good for the person making the content okay so I want to talk about your extremely impressive business in a moment okay but I just can't help but go deeper down the rabbit hole of this content piece because nowadays what I'm seeing especially when investing in companies and looking at potential deals and different clients of ours that we want to maybe purchase and do strategic acquisitions with is 
I'm looking into the media piece and what I'm noticing now is that when you have a really solid audience, this is an incredibly valuable asset, especially if you own that data yourself through an email list, phone number list, uh, maybe blog site, newsletter, etc. So let's go slightly deeper, right? Now, you mentioned whatever comes out on the day, okay? So for me, I know that if it's all dependent on me, then we're going to be all over the place, right? My personal brand and my company brand, I can't have them super together. Otherwise, one time I'm going to be like doing something myself personally in business. And then it's going to be nothing to do with what my clients and prospects actually need. Okay, so how do you structure your team? That's the first question. Second question is what does your scheduling method for your content look like at the moment? And again, I just want to give everyone perspective, like go and check out Kat's social medias right now. Just type Miss XL into any platform, you'll find her, right? She's totally found everywhere. And I really want to emphasize why I'm asking these questions to someone when this is quite a common normal question to answer because her, her answers are gonna be different than what you hear from other people. And that's why Kat, I'd love to know those two things, team and then structuring of your content. Yeah, so from a team perspective, we have expanded recently in the last like year or so. And so I have someone, a virtual assistant, remotely doing um, customer service. I have another one doing, and this is all part-time, doing some help with content creation. So like the screen recordings and my videos and things like that. I have a part-time video editor and I have a part-time graphic designer. And then I also brought on my boyfriend full-time as sales. So between the two of us, we're the two like full-timers. And then I also have a team of people doing like 10, 15 hours a week with some of the other parts of it. And then in terms of structuring the content, a lot of it for me is really intuition-based. So I kind of feel into what people are looking for. I take a look online at what's trending and then I meditate to get different ideas and then go in and create that content. So it's not as like strict for me, like I, with a posting schedule and all that, I kind of use social media as like a tool to be able to reach people and I don't let it really like control my life in that way, you know? So I kind of just go into it as like, all right, like this is an intuitive hit. This feels really good. I think someone's going to like this and post as I feel called. That is wild. You have such a lean team. That is seriously impressive. So you've literally got like four or five part-time people and then you and your partner. That's it. That's crazy. Yeah, are these people yeah. based out of Philippines, USA, South America? Where are they mainly based out of? So three are in the US and then one is in the Philippines. Which one's in the Philippines? Video editor. It's the graphic designer, actually. She was my first hire. My jeans. So amazing. Wow. Okay. This is crazy. I can't believe how lean your team is. Well, wow. I'm, I'm very, very, very impressed right now. Okay, so you do you read through the comments on your social media platform? Some people are super anti that. Personally, I love to read the comments because I think it gives me ideas. But how do you, how do you navigate that? Yeah, so I mean, typically on content I post, I'll go through the comments. Whenever I'm going like viral in the media though, it's kind of impossible to figure out, you know, things like that. Like if it's like a press article or something, that's a lot harder for me to actually go through comments. But things that I post, I always try to interact with people. I learn things from the questions they ask. You know, we, we start little conversations on there for sure. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Fine, so those are the more boring questions. Now let's talk about what you just said. You, you go viral in the media. Um, I remember one time, this is so crazy because like back when I was in fitness, this used to be like people now, I learned about the whole world of PR and we actually have quite a good amount of clients who have 
PR agencies whereby you know it's, it's paid to play right you get in the media and then and that's that but I remember like one time waking up to like loads of whatsapps from my friends from school they're like oh my gosh Lauren like what's happening congrats and I'm like what are you talking about and then one of them sends me the link to like these women's health articles and all this stuff and I'm oh my gosh what just happened right and it's just such a huge way to get mass reach and obviously you're really smart because you have your excel courses that you sell on the back end so when you get that top of the funnel hit you know you have a system on the back end to convert those new leads and that new audience into customers right away which I just think is is always building the back end to the business first something which is a scalable model this is just such a good way to have a robust infrastructure but how do you uh, how did you get these viral trends going on? Like, what was the main thing that they were going crazy about? Yeah, so I mean, all the press I've gotten has been fully organic. Like, I've never paid for press. I've never reached out for press. Everything always just kind of flowed into my inbox. And for me, it was really just right. kind of mentally setting the intention. I was just like, okay. I remember when I first started the business, I was like, this would be great if this was picked up by the media. And I was like, I'm just going to do something that will make it media worthy, right? So I just put my head down. I was like, I'm going to build this thing as big as I can, as fast as I can, you know, serve as many people as I can. And then I know it'll just, I trust it'll find itself into the right hands, right? And so Business Insider was one of the first like bigger ones to pick it up right when I started. And then um, what really took off to like, you know, 50 global news outlets was when I was on the Verge podcast with Neelay Patel. And that turned into an article that then got picked up by, you know, tons of different media outlets. And then it kind of filtered out to Forbes and all the different places. So I feel like it was really the podcast actually helped a lot, like the different podcasts I've been on. And then those are also all things that I just kind of attract in. I've never done like outbound reach for podcasts. I kind of just see what flows through and then just trust that it's like the best move. Oh man, that's so interesting because podcasts are so undervalued, right? And like, I think mm -hmm. that nowadays see i i never even realized that that was where media typical media were now getting their information from because i would have thought that they'd seen podcasts as like a threat to them right because a lot of people have shifted yeah. their attention away from these like you know mass commercialized media places to now these individual podcast feeds where they can get information that isn't necessarily so filtered but um that's really that's really interesting and so was there anything in particular that you think um caught the attention of both these podcasts that wanted to have you on obviously you know I just think what you do with your brand is just I'm, I'm not gonna lie I never go on social media I, I just don't go on it I look at my stuff I look at what my audience are asking for and then I create content around that and I'm like you right I totally do it in flow my team for impact school have a way different strategy they're super structured but in a day where I feel cool to make content, I will make the content and then, you know, sometimes it does really well, sometimes it doesn't do really well. For me, interestingly enough, it's actually written content that performs rather than the video content like you, okay? Wow. But the reason I bring this up is because I think, you know, sometimes we try to force things and it's been very clear that through what you're saying, you're very... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're very, very spiritual. Just, you know, yes. I, I think the same way as you, right? Like, I, I also lean into things, I feel into things, and then I get ideas and I get inspired. But some people don't really understand that. So maybe, like, uh, you know, your, your practices that you do as, a, as, as an entrepreneur, um, this would be interesting to hear, like, how you structure your days, your weeks, um, even just your ways of leaning into ideas and how you 
manifest them into the world. Maybe if you want to share that, that's really uh, a, a new, interesting take that I don't think we hear about enough. Absolutely. And I agree. I think it's something that's not talked about enough at all. So for me, the way I view and structure my day is through the masculine and feminine energy types. So it's not necessarily boy, girl, or anything like that. The masculine energy type tasks are more of our right brain tasks, right? So those are the ones where we're analyzing things. We got our iced coffee, our to-do list. We're cranking things out. And then we have the left brain or the feminine energy task activities, which is more like getting in a creative flow state, tapping into the intuition, getting those divine downloads. And a mistake that I see a lot of people make when building out their calendars and structuring their day is when they try to flip back and forth between tasks of each energy type. So for example, classic corporate America, right? Like I would be, you know, in a bunch of back-to-back business meetings. I'm analyzing my spreadsheets, doing all these things. And then they'll put like a 30-minute brainstorming thing on your calendar and expect you to come up with this million-dollar idea when you were just tapped into that right side of the brain analyzing everything, or left rather, and not tapped into the creative side. So that's really where it comes into play is like tapping into the either the creative side of the mind or tapping into the more analytical side of the mind and kind of structuring my day is those ways. So typically I'll take an entire day to go in and do all my creative activities, right? I'll like go out into nature, I'll meditate, and then I'll come up with the different ideas. And then on a separate day, I'll actually execute. So I'll go in and I'll, you know, create the content and, you know, analyze things and get into the tracking and edit videos and do all the things. So I think really separating out the activities by, you know, left brain, right brain, masculine, feminine energy, whatever you want to call it, right? It's just the overall understanding that like both sides of the brains work differently and then kind of leaning into which activities fall under which type. That's really powerful and something that I think a few years ago I heard a lot of people talking about this, like batching your days and doing different activities on different days. But to be honest, yeah, it's not something that I've heard someone mention for a while. So that's a good point. I need to I need to move back into that myself. Now, with regards to... Um, with regards to like studying masculine energy, feminine energy, where did you learn this? Like, how did you kind of get in- interested by that and study? So I started getting into the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza a few years back, and he does a really good job at like demystifying the mystical, as they would say, right? Because I clearly, I'm a very <laughs> left brain type of gal, like studying Microsoft Excel, you know, and, but I was always a very creative person as well. So for me, like kind of merging the two came down to studying how the mind actually works. And then from a law of attraction perspective, you know, there's always that think positive, good things will happen narrative. But as a very logical Excel brain type of gal, I needed some, you know, structure around that. I wanted some science. I wanted some experiments. And that really helped get my conscious mind on board. So the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza for me was really big on understanding like, okay, if we're going to create our reality, what type of reality do I want to create? If we could create our business, what type of business do I want to create? You know, so it all kind of flows in together and then whenever I wanted to grow the business I would just work on myself because I knew my business would only grow as good as I can get myself closest to that highest version of myself right so like if you know I wanted the business to grow bigger but I had all these blocks or self-placed limitations on myself I knew it wouldn't grow so I did a lot of work on kind of removing the blocks I was intuitively placing on myself yeah, because you have definitely turned something um, very left brain into something very right brain through your content, and I can actually see that now. You now you sh- share this, right? Because I, I never would have thought that you'd be a very very spiritual person just from the type of you know business that you have. But it's interesting because the more the more people I meet who are very very successful, 
and the more people I speak to, what I've noticed is this is such a common trend. And then we end up like in the beginning starting to talk about business like for the first 10 minutes or so, but then it really does come down to like the personal development and the relationships and the connection with ourselves and our energy that is the things that really I've noticed is, is the differentiator. And I think it, is a, it allows you to ha have that slight edge because at the end of the day, then you know that everything's gonna be fine no matter what. Like this is just something, a mantra that I always have in my mind no matter what's going on, just because I trust innately in my own actions and in my own energy and connection with everything around me, right? And so it can sound quite confusing to people who haven't necessarily done the work and who haven't worked on themselves, who haven't actually studied these things. But yeah, Joe Dispenza is a great place to start. Um, John D. Martini as well is someone who uh, whose work I really, really love in this in this arena. And also, um, maybe you've done some stuff like this too, but I used to every morning do, and I did it for years and years and years to the point where I think the marginal gain just wasn't really benefiting me anymore, but I did self-hypnosis. So I would do nice. 20 minutes to 30 minutes of self self-hypnosis every morning. Have you done anything like that or any, you know, additional things on top of learning and studying um, practices that have helped you? Yeah, absolutely. So on the self-hypnosis, I've been chatting with Grace Smith and did a session with her. She's incredible, oh, cool. has an awesome app on that. She's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's so cool. So that's where I started getting into the, that area of self-hypnosis. And then I also did a lot of subconscious reprogramming. So yes. I would essentially put myself into, you know, a theta brainwave state and go in and reprogram memories that were kind of holding me back um, through inner child work, did shadow work through there. And then I also practiced kundalini yoga, which is always kind of working on the psyche and different things like that. And that's kind of how I tune up my energy every day to get myself where I'm projecting like a higher frequency. Interesting. Yeah, we're so similar with these things. This is really, really cool because... Um, it's these things that we do when no one else is looking, right? That makes all the biggest mm -hmm. difference. And then this is how, at least personally, I found that I get the biggest breakthroughs is when I'm not trying to force it. As you said, it's like, it's not when you're in that forced brainstorming session that you're going to come yeah, up yeah. with a great idea. It's when you're in the shower, when your active mind is basically, I'll put it in simple terms, turned off, right? And you're not yes. thinking anymore that that's when it comes. Um, what do you do? Like, cause, cause, okay, maybe you're like me where, um, I will get ideas in the middle of the night and like, if I don't write it down, it's gone forever. So like one of the things, and I, I just realized like, I don't have it right now, but I got in this habit of having a notepad and pen next to my bed when I was sleeping. Cause this would always happen. I would wake up to pee and I've been having like a really valuable dream. <laughs> Yeah. And then I would just write it down and like make the content the next day. Um, so how do you organize your thoughts then? Yeah, we are so similar. I have the same thing next to my bed, the notebook and the pen. I do this night meditation every night. Um, it's like a kundalini yoga, like mm. mantra thing, but it helps you get divine downloads. So a lot of times during those 11 minutes, I'll get the hit. So I have that next to me right before I go to bed. But then I've literally also had dreams where I'm like working in my dream on the business. And then I wake up and it's like 6am and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm just writing all these things down. Same thing. I have this too. I literally have this all the time. And like, I yeah. no one ever understands. It's so funny. Um, okay. I mean, if you, if you would, if you can share with me that hip, uh, the evening meditation that you do, that'd be really cool. Yeah. But I feel like this yeah, is uh, something so valuable because these are, these, um, practices like, gosh, I don't know what it is, but even if it's 
just in the back of your mind, like the, the difference it makes just through allowing you to see thoughts that maybe you are having other thoughts that were blocking these thoughts that were always going to be there. That's what I've at least found to be extremely useful, right? Because I think as entrepreneurs as well, we get so busy, we get so caught up. And one of the most dangerous things is not having the space to be able to actually work on our business or work on new ideas because we're so stuck like in there, you know, building the funnels, creating the content for the clients, right? When really like it's these things that are going to allow us to, rather than just like going, 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 actually increasing our capacity and scaling beyond what we do existingly right now. Um, and it starts with us, right? We, we are the creators. We are the ones that get to choose what we do especially because we are building a business which is essentially an entity other than ourselves right so it's pretty exciting when we when we think about it like that um and so okay like I love how we just went on this this huge tangent because um it's just it's so important it's, it's honestly so important and I wish I wish people could shadow you know someone like yourself for a day just to see what your day really looks like and the breakdown of the, the actual sort of doing work versus the thinking and the feeling so you know, on a, on a rough split on an average day, or maybe like on one of your doing days, what does it look like? And then one of your more creative days, what does that split look like between like actively doing and then sort of personal development, uh, creativity thinking work? Yeah. So I would say on a creative day, it's about just getting in that flow state. Like that is the main goal of the day is to hit the flow state. So I live out in Sedona, Arizona. I'm out in the Red Rock. So I like to like go out, like get into nature. It's a very grounding place energetically. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I chose to live here. Cause something, you know, running a business that's so digital, like for me to live in a place that's very grounding was important. So I get outside in nature I do a lot of breath work and then I'll like get myself into this place where I'm like, okay, like let's just sit and start thinking about content. And for me, I realize it takes a few hours for my brain to kind of get into that zone and leaving that space for the creativity is one of the big things I feel like a lot of people miss. So I'll take a few hours to kind of just start thinking of ideas and then all of a sudden it's like click and it's like all these ideas will pour out. So giving myself that space is really big. And I'll do, you know, it'll probably be like a three-hour-ish, four-hour situation. And then on my get things done days, it really depends, like, well, what I got going on and what kind of mood I'm in. But I, because I get into, like, the habit of, like, you know, I'm a generator in human design. That's, like, that energizer bunny type where if you're doing what you love, you just kind of get in there. So sometimes I'll sit and, like, grind out a lot of things. But other times I'm just like, you know what, I'll clear the inbox today and, like, feel accomplished, you know. So it, it's, it kind of depends on the day. But that'll be more of, like, analysis type tasks that'll be you know getting back to people responding to emails things like that yeah also an aside my dishwasher is beeping so (laughs) let me turn that off for you just in case someone messes up the recording one sec (laughs) i was thinking you were having like a, a food delivery or something someone like was aggressively knocking on your door <laughs> yeah no it is the i thought it only beeps once but it kept going every minute so i'm like okay, yeah that was, it was really it was really wanting some attention there very needy <laughs> yeah i'm just like this is crazy we literally like i you know i'll, I'll have my team cut this part out but it's just wild like yeah, yeah. the things that we do are so similar oh my god it's crazy even the way you think it like, makes sense yeah it, yeah to be fair yeah it does it does especially like I was 
I always wanted to go to Sedona as well because I, I've heard about the energy there. Um, so yes. I'll have to come and, and visit and I'll let you oh know. Oh my gosh, come yeah. through. Yeah, let me know if you come <laughs> here. Like, that's why we moved here because the energy vortexes help the business so much. Like, a lot of people physically put their bodies here during launches. And I was able to track the passive income. And every time I was here, the business would go through the roof and all these things would land in my inbox. And I was like, shit. So I was like, this is where I got to live, you that's, know? That's wild. Okay, okay. This is freaking crazy. Okay, I'll, shall we go back into the recording now? Because this yeah. is cool. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to talk about this or do you rather not talk about this? Yeah, sure. I can talk about anything. Okay, fine. Yeah, like, that's good. That's good. Um, okay, so... Uh, Let's think where we just were. Okay, fine. So um, a question that's coming to my mind is like, what is your leading indicator when it comes to all of your efforts, right? What's the main thing that you look towards? Is it your following? Is it your passive income? Is it your overall like total revenue? Is it your profit? Like email list, what is the main thing that you, the primary indicators that you look towards uh, in your business? For me, I would say it's revenue from the perspective because that means the more people we have in the courses, the more people we're helping, right? And the bigger that revenue number goes up, that means more people are in the courses, more people are learning, and the bigger the impact is. So I would say that's the biggest needle mover because for me too, like growing the following is great because that means more people are getting those quick tips here and there. But from a full education perspective, the higher the revenue number is, the more enrollments we have and the more people are learning. So that's kind of how I view it. Okay, so what's your current model? So courses, that that term can mean many things these days, right? It can be like yeah. a consulting program. It can be like a login where they go into the portal and it's self-paced. What's the actual exact model that, that you guys have? So I have 10 on-demand courses currently across the Microsoft Office Suite, Google Sheets, a kid's course. And then I also do live corporate training experiences. So that's like the other side of the business. So all different companies ranging from, you know, I've done these at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Kraft Heinz, all different companies bring me in to host these trainings. I do educational institutions as well. And those are like fun, live 60-minute sessions. I customize them for businesses. And then the on-demand courses are, you know, my creative works of art. Those are where I just like design a super cool educational course, but then I infuse them with as much fun and creativity as possible to make a subject that is traditionally boring to seem really fun. Because yeah, after you've seen my content, your girl cannot have a boring course. So I was like, I gotta make this fun. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> They'd be so disappointed if they're like, okay, yeah. and today we are going to talk. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Okay, this is interesting and like, if you're open to sharing, what's the rough split between like the kids course versus the on-demand course versus the corporate learning, like on average over the year, like what would you say the breakdown is uh, percentage wise uh, of each different revenue source? Yeah. So I would say at least 80% is from the on-demand courses. So those are evergreen and most of them are for our complete Microsoft Office suite. So that's where you're getting all of the different Microsoft Office courses and it's hands down the best deal. So that's typically the one we have the most people in, which is like the range of all the courses. So they all come with lifetime access. So for pe most people, they use them as like these ongoing resource guides. That's really cool. Yeah, well, I'll leave it linked, of course, in the in the show yeah, notes yeah. as well because yeah, no, that's that's great. And um, okay, so your revenue model is it like a one time course purchase or is it like a monthly recurring fee? It's a one time course purchase with lifetime access to everything. Okay, damn girl, you should test doing the shifting into the monthly recurring. I think you would like ten x your revenue. 
<laughs> we might do something like a totally different style product with that. Because a lot of people too, like I didn't want it to be like, encourage them to leave the course materials by just taking it for a month and then stopping the subscription just because a lot of people get value out of using it later on when they actually go to do something like oh I'm going to do a VLOOKUP six months down the road and then they have that as a resource so from their learning experience I was like okay like it'll serve the people the most if they have it for a lifetime access but I think I might do something eventually on a subscription model because it's something I do want to play with. We currently have just a couple of spots open where we'll build out your full sales system for you end to end while we work with you as the founder and CEO on the actual scaling of your business. So if that sounds interesting, just head over to impactschoolpodcast.com forward slash apply. There's going to be a really quick application form for you to fill out there on impactschoolpodcast.com forward slash apply. Yeah, something that I've been thinking about uh, a lot lately is just, you know, more innately causes a company to have value because I always just think value is a byproduct of the impact that you provide right and so I'm just always wondering and and I look at like private equity and one of the main things and the the driving forces that they look at when they're looking at like uh, different non-revenue um you know reasons to why a company has the value and it is this like consistent cash flow coming from it, it's like uh i think it's customer capital and that's what they call it because like customers that pay each month obviously they're more sticky that's why these SaaS models have such a high um such a high valuation when they go to sell and they're they're multiple um but it's just interesting like it's crazy that wow, you must have so many, so many clients. My gosh, how many clients do you have? Or do you, if you, if you don't want to share. Yeah. Yeah. We have over 16,000 students currently, and then That's we have cool. a ton of corporate clients too. Yeah. 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 So these are like low ticket courses, right? So this is, this is super interesting. It's a, just a different model. Like, so you're going for more top of the funnel because it's more of a mass market product because most people use Excel in their jobs. So I'm guessing like most of these people that are buying are people that have jobs maybe like analytical work what other types of people what's your main buyer so it's really a wide range of industries we do have a lot of analysts across different industries but we sell to all different groups we sell to like the military the government like everybody uses excel we have people in like restaurant industries we have people in manufacturing people in traditional consulting accounting all those types of things so it really varies we have a lot of people in hr we have a lot of teachers in our courses so it, it really kind of it, it spreads out across the board yeah, yeah. Well, I think everyone's probably used Excel in their life, literally. Like anyone that does yeah. some type of online work or going through school, it's, really, it's so it's it's so cool because you literally have such a huge TAM, as they say, total addressable market, right? And so, like, the things that you can do is wild. Have you ever considered like uh, building some type of software tool or something? Yeah, I mean, I've thought about things like that before, too, but I haven't found something that really called out to me yet in terms of the tools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. No, I I can just imagine, like, people must come and pitch you all the time for different ideas and stuff. I mean, yeah. gosh, I get it, so I can't imagine what you get. And it's hard to know who to trust, right? Especially, like, you know, the more you have, the more you have to lose, right? And so people will come yeah. after you for these crazy these crazy things. So, yeah, it's, I think it's smart what you're doing, like, staying focused. Um, and it's a, it's a very interesting very interesting model that you have turned something 
so boring into something so fun. And I love that. I just think it's like, how can, how can we do this as entrepreneurs? How can we actually chase the innate human desire of, you know, entertainment and curiosity uh, and self-betterment and do it in a way whereby we can ensure that things that are actually important to know and that are going to be useful for people um, and can benefit their lives, we can share that information in a way that's interesting so that it doesn't just put people off. Because I remember, like, when I was in my accounting... So just side note, like I was in uni for a year. I dropped out because it was just a load of garbage, right? Because my accounting professor, like, I don't know. I mean, all this Excel stuff, if I'd have had someone more interesting like you to teach me, I probably would have stayed in that course, you know? And so I just think it's powerful what we can do now with e-learning is that it allows the best in the world, the most entertaining in the world to then give the, the the one information to the masses, and then it just it show it goes to show with what you're doing because this is why you've risen to the top, right? Because you have shown the information in the best way for the people, and I love that. So I just wanted to say, yeah, it's just amazing what you've done, um, especially you. with such a lean team. My gosh, such a lean team. Um, with regards to that, though, like, how are you making sure that you're constantly driving your audience into your own email list? Because I see you doing this, right, with your free masterclasses and such. Um, yeah. But what are your kind of, uh, what's your approach on that? On building the email list versus building just the audience? Yeah. So, I mean, I grow the email list a lot through the free masterclasses. So typically I've tried to figure out what did people want the most and a free Excel class for a lot of people is just this massive value add. So I was like, okay, I'll start doing these every month or so. So I started doing that. And then each time we would get around, you know, 20,000 people registered. And that would be a nice jump for the email list as well. And now we have a really nice newsletter that goes out too. That's constantly educating on different topics and things like that. Um, So yeah, I would say the webinars is the biggest thing that moves the needle in terms of the mailing list for sure. Interesting. And so with regards to the newsletters, are you primarily using that to sell your own courses? Do you do like sponsorships and stuff in there? I'm seeing a lot of people shifting now into this newsletter oriented business model. So it's something that's got my attention at the moment. So I'm just doing my research. Yeah. So I have an awesome team that works on that with me and we do sponsors. So they're always pitching to different people to sponsor sections of the newsletter. And I want it to be something different than what you get on my social media content. So each one has a tech tip, but then it also has a life tip. And I feel like that was an area of, you know, my audience that I wasn't really addressing where people were asking for more tips on like energy, manifesting, optimizing your day, like all those types of things. So half of the newsletter is more of cool tips like that. That's great. Yeah, I'll have to join because um, that's it, it's fascinating the opportunities that are there now. And I do believe that owning your own data is just so, so powerful. I mean, I've even realized like when I make one post and then I always like to set up some automation so that it like goes right in their DMs and they send their email and then that goes right on the email list. And then you gain like 500 in your email list just from like one post. For you, it's probably like yeah. 5,000. but. This is a, such an easy way to bring in people that are like directly interested. And so do you know like your conversions from social versus your conversions from email? Do you have that data? I mean, I'm sure you have it I on don't a sheet have somewhere, the- but like off the top of your I don't have it off the top of my head, but I, I feel like the emails definitely convert higher than the social for sure. Yeah, it's crazy to me that so many people don't try to build their own email list. I've seen friends who have just had this massive following of like a million on Instagram and then they they lose it because they get hacked or maybe in the past they had some like bot on their account um, 
to gain like 2,000 followers or some because so, yeah. some people I don't know if you've had this but, like I've had it where people have literally messaged me like hi I'm just giving you a free trial this is like a couple of years ago where they would like put a thousand likes on your post right and so I had friends that had this done to their account um and now they got banned because they were violating policies yeah it's really crazy <sighs> that's really bad wow yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've never seen that I know Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd be fine because obviously you have, um, you know, so much press and stuff. These guys didn't have that. But um, it wasn't even them that was buying the bots. Like it was some random people just because they used to give these like free. They used to give these free demos um, because then they would want you to buy. This was a huge issue on Instagram like three years ago. But when did you start? 2020, mid 2020. That's crazy. So before 2020, you were still having your corporate job? Oh, yeah. Day job and consulting up That's until what? January 2021. <laughs> what? No way. Yeah. I didn't realize that. It was so fresh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I didn't so start selling courses until November 2020. Really? Damn. Yeah. How yeah. I started selling them November. Well? Yeah. I mean, I started just, I made the accounts in June of 2020 to help people with Excel. It was the start of the pandemic. I had stopped traveling every week for work. So I had some extra time on my hands and I was teaching Excel on the side at my day job internally for the company just for fun. Cause I loved it. So they had me flying around the U S hosting these trainings. And then I put Excel tips on TikTok, and no one was doing it at the time. I remember looking around and being like, do people just not like Excel on TikTok? Like, why is no one posting this? And I was like, I'm just going to do it. And by my fourth video, it got 100,000 views. And then by the sixth video, I got a side hustle with an IT company creating content for them. So I would sell them training videos for their platform. And then after a few weeks, I had my first video go viral. I started making courses a few months later. I had made an Instagram at that point and scaled a following across both. And then, yeah, I made my first course in November 2020. Started selling at Black Friday. And then two months later, was bringing in more passive income than my day job was every month. So at that point, I jumped out of my day job. I built out nine more courses. I started doing webinars, scaled it seven figures from there. This is huge. Okay, I'm just checking out your TikTok now because I'm not going to lie. I never touch TikTok. I never go on it. I don't really understand it. I mean, my team are all over it. But for me, I'm just, I'm like a bit of a a grandma when it comes to that. Because I've only seen your Instagram. Now, I think I first found you. Maybe it was from Neil Patel, actually. Maybe. Yeah. To be honest, I think it. I think it probably was. I think it was. Um, I think I, may, I think I may have seen you before, but interesting. Okay, so you have a you have a big following on TikTok too. Which one? Which one do you find converts better for you? Instagram. Definitely Instagram. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Because whenever I've tried TikTok, I just haven't found that it's been like quality quality audience members personally for me i found that it's been people who kind of just like comment meat stuff (laughs) (laughs) i've found it's definitely easier to go viral on tiktok than instagram but then in terms of like the variety of content lacks a little more on tiktok where you can only do like that one style versus on instagram with like the links and stories and things like that and like having the static carousel posts there's a lot more content types yeah these these ones are the ones that do the best for me these swiping kind of uh, it won't won't load but like the the twitter style on instagram for sure but then for you i guess like people love to they love to see how easy and simple you make something so not 
easy and not simple at least for me anyway for most people <laughs> but like uh, you know it, it makes it makes me think and it makes me want to ask the audience when you see someone like yourself cat doing this type of content how can you take these ideas and implement it into your industry right so like i remember when i was in fitness something that i would used to do these would go viral as well it was for me that was easy to make viral content there i find in business a little harder i'm finally picking up the understanding now just after kind of taking a year honestly off really making content and just focusing on business but um i would literally take something like a deadlift right where everyone's always like making all these mistakes i would literally show the mistake they make like and i would point at it with arrows of like why their back is really bad like this and then i would show the good form right and so it's kind of just like taking something and visually representing it in a way that it's easy to understand that's something now that i'm thinking okay how can i do this in my content in which i share right so it's got me thinking now okay cool um finally cat um you know we we spoke a lot about like spirituality personal development and things like that and so i want to ask you this like where do you see you taking your own personal brand over the next like three to five years with regards to chasing your your passions and and things that you're interested in like what's your what's your game plan love that so I mean, it's always kind of hard to tell what's going to happen because I never know what opportunities are going to flow through. But at this point, it's definitely something I'm looking to grow. I started doing keynote speaking. So that's another area in terms of like motivational speaking, keynote speaking. And then I'll probably also create some courses potentially later this year on more of, you know, the energetics around business and mindset and things like that. So it's something that people are always asking me for and it's a product I'm yet to develop. So that would probably come next after after I'm done creating all the Microsoft courses and Google products, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I wonder if like maybe um, Microsoft would buy your courses and your programs. That would be an interesting play because, I mean, they... <laughs> they're buying up a lot of stuff, so... Hey, I mean, maybe that's a, that could be the opportunity there. Um, but, you know, like, when it comes to... Because, see, when it comes to Excel and Google Sheets and stuff, what are two or three, like, really simple things that you think businesses should actually just be doing or that they could be doing right now that they're most likely not doing? For example, right, we don't, we don't do literally anything. We, we you know, we, we just... We have a couple sheets that we use for, like... Um, I guess we use a lot of softwares. Maybe we're spending money on softwares that we don't need to be and we could do it on sheets. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it really depends what you're doing. Um, but some of the common mistakes that I see people making are just really doing things manually that can be automated. So things, for example, like mm. the lookup functions. I've seen so many people just not trust them or like do them manually and like they work. It's just a matter of like knowing how to use them. So using lookup functions to combine spreadsheets, I see a lot of people not doing absolute referencing, which kind of ties into that. So that's when you're looking up from the same cell reference multiple times and not having it be a relative reference where it moves around the sheet. That's something that constantly gets people error messages. That's another thing that I'm always like Wait, I, trying to I don't dial know what that up. Means. Explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old. It, I, I basically so, blanked out Google Sheets and Excel from my mind because my accounting teacher really annoyed me. Yeah. <laughs> so if you may have seen absolute referencing before, and that is when you have those dollar signs inside of your cell. 
okay, and I it. view those dollar signs when you're seeing them in Excel as little baby lock symbols. So think of like a padlock. So if mm. you ever want to lock a certain cell into place where if you're referencing it and you don't want it to move around the sheet like everything else, you put the little dollar signs in front to kind of lock it into place. A lot of people will click and drag a formula around and when they do that, it starts referencing like blank cells or the wrong cells and then they get error messages. So it's, it's a little tougher to explain without any visual, but think of dollar signs as little lock symbols and that's for locking in a particular cell reference. Ah, okay, I got it. Okay, interesting, interesting. I just thought like, yeah, these dollar signs, they just want me to make more money, so I should go back to work. <laughs> dollar signs. <laughs> All I see is dollar signs. <laughs> That's right, it's just telling me, Lauren, just like, Go do some more sales. Come on. This is not your zone of genius. <laughs> like, this is not for you. But that's, that's great. So, yeah, like, anyone who's struggling, just, just go buy one of Kat's courses. I'll leave them all linked. Miss Excel all over social media. Kat, this has been amazing. I could I could honestly talk to you for hours. I know it's getting pretty late in the night for you there. So, I will, um, I'll let you go. But thank you so much for coming on. Uh, this has been fantastic. Thank you. I'm next in the US, yes, a trip to Sedona for sure. Um, I've always wanted to do a retreat there. Um, it yeah. looks so beautiful. And uh, I, I, I know what you mean regarding like the energies because um, even when I was in like the Red Rocks, more closer to like Vegas, you can yep. feel the magnetic pull. You can really feel it. Um, and so I'd be excited to see what it's like over there in Sedona because that's something, something next level. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. This was fun and uh, I'm looking forward to staying connected. And I just got word from my team that around 70% of people that listen to this podcast have not yet hit the follow and not yet hit the subscribe. And if you knew the guests that I have coming up who have multi, multi, multi-million dollar businesses, millions of followers on social media, people just like Kat and others who are in all different industries, niches all around the world, then you're going to want to make sure that you have hit subscribe and that you have hit follow. And if you would be interested in learning more about how Impact School and our scale systems can help you scale your business to the next level, then head over to impactschoolpodcast.com forward slash apply. And there's going to be a quick application form for you to fill out. We have a few different offerings, but if you go through the application, it's kind of like a fun quiz, then we'll actually be able to know and get you on a one-on-one call with a specialist from our team who is in the right area, depending on what you need, right? So we build out sales systems. We ensure that you have predictable lead generation and predictable revenue coming into your business month on month that increases month on month so that you as the founder don't need to be worrying and you can then get back into your zone of genius and work with that more intuitive feeling that's going to allow you the freedom to actually be able to scale your company to the next level so just head over to impactschoolpodcast.com forward slash apply and i'll see you there